0: going through the series uh, we're going through the journey of Abraham uh, as you know that so this means that we're learning about Abraham and what he did as a friend of God so we 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 know that Abraham was the only Old Testament character that God actually had called my friend right we know that from Isaiah 41 uh, verse 8 and uh, as I said last week we want to learn about Abraham because we're also friends of God Jesus called us friends not a servant we know that from John 15 So we want to emulate and learn about what Abraham did, so we can be a friend of God also, but also learn from his mistakes of what he did in order for us to avoid making those mistakes. Uh, So what he did well, copy it. What he didn't do so well, let's try to avoid making those mistakes. So it's similar to learning from those who have gone before us, right? So with that said, let's turn to Genesis 16. I will briefly go through this whole chapter before focusing on what we uh, can learn from this chapter so it starts. i have the slides behind me so it starts out with sarai um, suggests to abraham to sleep with hagar so her intention uh, she had good intention well what i'm trying to say her intention was very good right because she was hoping that if hagar can have a son then she can build her family through her right that was i think that was in verse two or three um, but this is Sarah's way of taking matters into her own hands, right? Because when I was reading this, what came to mind for me was, oh, Sarah is trying to help God out. It's like, God, let me, let me help you out a little bit. Let me present uh, uh, Hagar to Abraham so he can, Abraham can have a son through his own flesh and blood. But there's something that we need to realize. If Abraham really wanted to have a son, he could have just sleep with anybody, right? I mean, that wouldn't be a supernatural intervention in terms of God actually promising a son to Abraham and Sarah. So Sarah was trying to help God out. And, uh, and you know, it's like I said, the intention was good, but it was misplaced. Because there's a role for us to do, but there's also a role for, for God to play in. And we need to remember not mix up with between the two like an example is we are to share the gospel and Jesus is building his church We are to go out and share the gospel with other people invite them to come to church but at the same time understanding that Jesus is the one that's building his church it's not us building his church so that's I'm trying to distinguish between the two just so you guys can understand so it's it's, a good intention but it's misplaced Uh, so then after Hagar slept with Abraham I got to remember to keep this PG Uh, So Hagar became pregnant and she became proud uh, and she despised Sarah due to her barrenness and as we know Sarah uh, Could not have kids. It's not because she was having miscarriages and she couldn't have kids. She could not have children, period We knew that from Genesis 11. So when Hagar became pregnant, she became proud. She thought, oh I'm the lady of the house now. I'm gonna start acting like I'm the lady of the house that's when there's tension between sarah and abraham so sarah brought this to abraham and say hey look at what happened so abraham just told sarah to deal with it <laughs> brush her off uh, and then so uh and then there's tension between the two so hagar fled because uh, she was being mistreated by sarai because she was treating sarai incorrectly uh, but as hagar fled god spoke to hagar to said to uh to return to sarai and submit to her. And I was reading this, that jumped out to me. It's not because there's anything bad, it's just you need to go back and recognize you are not the lady of the house. Sarah is the lady of the house, and remember that. Uh, But then also God also promised to increase her descendants so much that they will be too too numerous to count, right, in verse 10. So, and then God gave Hagar's son a name, Ishmael, and Abraham was 86 when he had Ishmael. So that's pretty much the rough outline for Genesis 26. Um, as, I, as I said earlier, I'm going to say that again, I encourage everyone to read this chapter, all this chapter and the previous chapters and the, the preceding chapters, because there's so many things that each of us, individually, can get and then they'll help us to have a greater revelation of who God is. So please don't ever get into this mode of, yes, I've read this story before, I've heard this before, Or, yeah, I know all about God and about Jesus. I'm getting tired of hearing about God. If you already know everything there is to know about God, then he does not deserve to be called God. Right? Can I say that? Can I say that statement? Because we need to continually learn more about who God is. If we're not able to talk passionately about Jesus for hours, then we don't know enough about Jesus. Can I say that? Is that true? Because... We all can talk passionately about our best friends, right? Our spouses, our children, our, our parents, and what have you. But if we're not able to talk passionately for hours about who Jesus is, that means we don't know enough about who Jesus is. Then we need to learn more about him. And the only way to do that, which we talked last week, is through scripture and through spending time with him. So if you can remember one thing, besides Genesis 16, can we talk passionately about jesus for hours that's a yes or no question if you say yes that's awesome if you say no let's learn more about who jesus is Um, okay so let's go back to genesis 16. so this chapter uh, mostly has to do with um, sarah and hagar but but i want to focus on uh, abraham Um, i want to focus on abraham's involvement or maybe lack of involvement in this chapter. So let's just take us back to the very beginning of the journey of Abraham, so then we can have a full understanding of how we get to Genesis 16. So when we first started the series of Abraham in Genesis 12, I suggested for all of us to remember the name Hagar, right? When uh, Hagar was an Egyptian slave, we read that in Genesis 16, right? So let's look at how she came to be with Sarah and Abraham. Now let's go back to Genesis 12. So in Genesis 12, God called Abraham to go from his country, right, go from his people, uh, go from his people's household, so he left. Just a side note, he should not have taken Lot with him. As I was reading through this, and I suddenly I realized, go from your father's household. Why is Lot coming along with him? But that was just me. These are the things that I see. Because God specifically said go from your country from your people and your people's household But lot came along with lot was blessed um, Not a lot lot was blessed very much so by Abraham, but Abraham was not blessed by lot, right? We've we've seen that actually lot caused Abraham a lot of trouble (laughs) Yes, he did so but anyway, so going back to Genesis 12 So Abraham uh, as you remember he was on his way to the Negev and there was a famine So he took a detour to Egypt. Right? He did not inquire of God. He went down to Egypt because there was a famine. So he took matters into his own hands. So instead of inquiring or trusting in God, stay the course. Because God said, go, right? I will bless you, I will provide you. Those who curse you, I will curse them. Those who bless you, I will bless them. He should have stayed the course and trusted in that. But he went down to Egypt. So just a quick summary of what happened the rest of um, Genesis 12. So he left Egypt with male and female servants. That's in verse 16. And Hagar was one of those female servants that came along with. So that's how Hagar came to be with Abraham and Sarai. So then we went through Genesis 12. We talked about how a decision, which uh, several weeks ago, which may seem rational and practical, but when we don't seek God for wisdom, direction on a major decision. When we get off the path that God has set us on, there will be consequences down the road. We may not see the consequences right away, but there will be consequences down the road, right? In this case, the consequences of Abraham's decision to go down to Egypt is bubbling up to the surface. Hagar is coming around. Sounds like a devil, isn't it? No, but she's not. Hagar is coming up. So now in Genesis 16, now we see where Hagar came from, right? Because Abraham uh, Abraham went down to Egypt. So we can look back and wonder, if if Abraham didn't go down to Egypt, there may not have been a Hagar. Would Sarah have someone else to offer Abraham to sleep with? That's something that actually, those are the questions that I always that, that. That come up in my mind when I read this. So anyway, so that's how Hagar came to be with Abraham and Sarai. And the next thing we can look at is Abraham's decisions, right? We can see that he was human just like us, at least from my perspective. He was human because we've only gone through five chapters and we can see that his faith arrows is kind of up and down, up and down. Is it too honest of me to say that sometimes my faith is is up. Sometimes my faith is a little bit down. Is that okay to say? I think we all can kind of honestly admit that, right? Maybe that's just me. Um, but we can see that only through five chapters. So um, firstly, he took a momentous step of faith, right? Leaving everything that he knew, all the people that he um, grew up with, the land that he knew, all, took all his possession. So that means his faith arrow was really pointing up, right? He just left. Uh, But then he decided to go down to Egypt without trusting when God said, I will bless you. So he decided to take matters into his own hands. So that's, I would consider, as his faith arrow was pointing down. Uh, And then in Genesis 13, Abraham was very generous in letting Lot choose which way to go, if you're familiar with the story. So they parted ways, and Abraham just said, you choose. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right, because I know that God will bless me, because he said, he will bless me. So that was was, uh, Abraham's faith arrow pointing back up again. In Genesis 14, Abraham rescued Lot, spurned the king of Sodom, gave a tenth of everything to Melchizedek. So that was his faith arrow pointing back up even more, right? But then in Genesis 15, Abraham was afraid and he was worried. We talked about that last week. He was worried about his estate, his possessions, his inheritance, um, because he just gave a tenth of everything away. So who's going to be an heir for him? so that was his faith arrow pointing back down however in the very same chapter he believed that god when he god told him that he would have a son from his own flesh and blood so that was his faith arrow pointing back up again one thing i do want to point out that it's always important to know that god is always always with abraham and for abraham even when his faith arrow was pointing down so which doesn't matter which way that his faith arrow was pointing up or down, God was still with him. And it's the same with us. It's a, it's a reminder for us. It's just, if, we, if we feel like some days our faith is kind of low and it's running on empty, God is still with us. Yeah. Not only is he still with us, but he's still for us, Good. even during those times. That's what we can also learn from, uh, from the life of Abraham. So in Genesis 15... We can see, uh, we saw last week that Abraham was asking some very specific questions of God, right? It's like, hey, who's going to be my son? Who's going to inherit all my inheritance? And then God told him what happened, so he believed God. And then he followed up with, how will I know that I will possess the land that you said you will give it to me? So you can see Abraham asked some very specific questions, which is awesome. But now to take us to Genesis 16, we can guess which way the faith arrow is pointing, Right? Or maybe I can, you can't yet. As you can see in Genesis sixteen, I felt like as I was reading these verses, he took matters into his own hands again. It may appear that Sarai caused the conflict, right? Because it was Sarah's idea, but I would suggest that the fault lies with Abraham and not Sarai. Because Abraham had two opportunities to inquire of God of what to do next. Because in Genesis 15, he was asking God, hey, God, I mean, respectfully, when am I going to get a son? Where is the land that I'm going to get? But now, it's really nothing. There's no communication between Abraham or God. So the first opportunity was when um, Sarai brought Hagar to him initially because you would think That he would just say, let's ask God if this is what he meant about having a son for my own flesh and blood. You don't really know what he was thinking, but you would think that would be a rational decision, right? Like I said earlier, otherwise it would be just too easy for Abraham to just go around and sleep with, you know, 10, 15 concubines and have many, many children. But God specifically spoke a supernatural intervention. So, He should have asked God, is this what you want? Is this your will for me? So number one, he did not ask for God's intervention. Number two, so after when Sarah came back, after when Hagar was pregnant, let me say that again. When Sarah came back to Abraham, when she found out that Hagar was pregnant, Abraham brushed it off instead of dealing with it, right? Because when he said, your slave is in your hands, do with her whatever you think best. Um... When I was reading this, it was very challenging for me, because it was a cop-out. I just felt it was a cop-out by Abraham. As a guy, I'll be honest, it was, there are times when I actually may have handled situations like this. <laughs> Honey, just do whatever. <laughs> but in a situation like this, this is a big, major, major important thing, right? So for us, it's, it's, it's like a rebuking for me. It's like a challenging for me as a husband and as a father. Uh, It's a reminder and a challenge for for me and and hopefully encouragement for the guys is just don't be hands-off. Don't be hands-off. And if if you're single, which I don't, there's no single guys here. So I don't need to say anything else. But anyway, don't be hands-off. Because if we read through this quickly, it's easy to blame the situation on Sarai. But Abraham has just as much to play, just as much a role to play in the situation, right? No one forced him to do anything. No one forced him to sleep with Hagar. And no one forced him to just brush Sarah off. So, so it's an encouragement as a reminder for me and for all of us is, as we're in a family and a couple, just make decisions together. And if you're single, make decisions with other people. That's why God put us into a family so we can pray together, so we can bounce things off each other, so we can talk about different things. There's a lot of wisdom within the local church family and at the same time when we have relationship, it's people that we trust, people that want the best for us and people without uh, ulterior motives in terms of what they can get from you. Um, so anyway, um, uh, I'm talking about major decision, you know the, you don't need to pause and ask God for every minor decision like You go to Chipotle, right? You get a burrito ball. They ask if you want white rice or brown rice You don't need to say hey back up. Like, give me a couple minutes Let me stand, spend time praying to see if I should get white rice or black brown rice or black rice or whatever um, so just major decision because as we can see every major decision that we make will have consequences down the road that we may never fully be aware of or we may not know until we start bubbling up later on. So as you can see, a decision that was made by Abraham back in Genesis 12 when he went down to Egypt led to having Hagar went down to Egypt without inquiring of God. The key thing, without inquiring of God he went down to Egypt led to having Hagar which led to Ishmael, which led to the nation of people which, whose hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility to all his brothers. I mean, that's pretty harsh, right? That's really, really harsh. So, a simple rational decision of going down to Egypt in time of famine led to a nation of people who will live in hostility to his brothers. That's, right? So when I talk about consequences, that's big consequences. So, so Abraham's careless decision impacted generations, not just him, but generations that come after him. And look at how it impacted Hagar. And in a way, put, put ourselves in Hagar's situation. She was just an innocent bystander. She got dragged into this mess because of Abraham went off course in Genesis 12, we We're going down to Egypt. Um, the, the, the decision, and I'm trying to illustrate this in a way that will make sense and apply in our current situation. I think I used this a couple of weeks ago where if there's a recession in Chicago, right? If God called me to be in Chicago, if there's a recession in Chicago and there's a job offer in Texas, a good job offer in Texas, and I take it without inquiring of God, that's what it's like with Abraham in Egypt. There's a famine, there's no famine in Egypt, let's go there. That's right. very rational, very practical. But when we don't inquire of God, we don't really know what's going to happen. And because as we, thankfully, we have this, so we can look forward and backward and learn from the lesson that Abraham made. So, So anyway, so hey guys, now caught up between Sarah and Abraham. However, the important thing to know is that God still blessed her, right? Because he will bless all peoples on earth and people will be blessed through him, through Abraham. I completely lost track of where I was. (laughs) Another question I ask myself when I read through this chapter, which is, why did Abraham not seek to hear from God? Why, right? Because in Genesis 15, he wouldn't leave God alone. I felt like he was just, hey God, tell me, please. I mean, he didn't say please, but respectfully, he wanted to know, who's gonna take care of my inheritance? And where's the land that you told me that you're gonna get? But this time, He did not inquire anything of God, right? We can see the theme that when Abraham took action without inquiring of God, things happen, not good things happen. So the lesson for Genesis 16, which I felt is the opposite of Genesis 16. um, The lesson for Genesis 16 is the opposite of Genesis 15, right? In 15, Abraham asked about a son from his own flesh and blood, right? And he asked when he's going to be able to possess the land that was promised to him. In Genesis 16, as I said, there's no communication between Abraham and God. And Sarai was trying to help God out. And I'm sure Abraham was probably thinking the same thing too. It's like, oh, well, maybe if we go through this route, I think this is what God meant. When we do that, we tend to get into a lot of trouble. So this is what, um, when we use the term um, doing things in our own effort or, or not doing our part. Anyway. I don't know what I was saying right there, but this is when we, we, I'm sorry, I was trying to be, uh, emphasize something and I just completely lost track of what i was trying. So anyway, this is when we're trying to do things in our own efforts. So it's rational to make a decision with the information that we have, right? When we talked about when Abraham went down to Egypt or when Abraham was presented with Hagar, so it's rational to make a decision with the information that we have and there's a term for that and it's called making an informed decision. So in the business setting, which that's what I'm in, I'm an underwriter and that's what I do every day is make decisions. So in the business setting, everyone is always needing to make the best informed decision they can. Making an informed decision sounds very educated, right? However, However, this means we're making a major decision based on very limited information available right? Best informed decision possible. Um, As I said, in the business setting, this is what people go by all the time. Now, comparing making an informed decision with to making a godly decision, right? Making a godly decision is making a decision based on what God tells us to do, right? God knows the future. He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the action of all peoples, he knows what everyone else is thinking, he knows what's best for us, and he wants the best for us. So knowing the difference between the two, which option would we want to go with? We want to go with making the informed decision or a godly decision. Right? So if we can apply that to Abraham's life, Abraham was making an informed decision when he went down to Egypt to avoid the famine, right? Which led to Hagar, again as I said, which led to Ishmael, which led to a nation of hostility against Isaac's descendants. A godly decision, using an example of a godly decision, is in Genesis 13. When he allowed Lot to choose which plot of land, because he trusted. When God said, I will bless you, I will provide for you, stay here, don't worry. Don't worry about what other people are doing, trust in me. That is a godly decision because a godly decision will always involve an element of faith. For me, I look at it as it's very freeing. It may not be freeing for you guys, but I feel like it's very freeing when we make a godly decision because we we don't. I don't have to. We don't have to beat ourselves up over did I make the best decision possible? Did I have all the information available to to me? What if I was missing some information that would Help me with my decision. But when we make a godly decision, we don't have to worry if we were given all the information or not. He wants the best for us, and he is giving us the best. Right? So you don't have no anxiety. There's no stress. There's no pressure. He always wants to take us into a more spacious place. It's a new and exciting place to just step out. Right? I think it's more like when we walk in fully into the inheritance that God has for us but not only for us, but also for the generations that come after us, for our kids and our kids' kids. As we can see, um, using what we learned so far with Abraham, right, he made an informed decision. It impacted Hagar, it impacted Ishmael, it impacted Isaac, and all those that come after them. So following God is always an adventure. Think of it that way. It's very freeing. Following God will make our lives full of stories to tell others, right? It's an adventure. You, you get to do things that you normally don't do. You get to do a step outside the box. Following God is an, is an ultimate rush when we make godly decisions. It's a rush because we don't know what God's going to give us. It's exciting. right? It's better than any drugs or alcohol or any, anything that we can get. Um, I, um, I also felt like you know, for, for some of us, it's difficult to make a godly decision because it, it requires us to step outside of our comfort zone. But we need to be outside of our comfort zone, right? We all, by nature, like to be in a place where we're comfortable. We know what's going on. We, we know our surroundings. We know what's around us. So we, we know everything. But so is a prison cell, right? If you're in prison, you pretty much know what you have within a six, ten-foot radius. I've never been in jail, by the way. But I would imagine if you're there all day, every day, you pretty much know how much space you have, where your toothbrush is where your toilet paper is, where your one book is. But when you're running free with God and following God, it's always more exciting. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's coming up. You don't know what God is bringing. Mm-hmm. Maybe more challenging, maybe more difficult, because it's always something new and exciting. Yes. But that is, um, that's why I meant like requiring an element of faith when we make godly decisions. So, so anyway, I want to end by saying that... Uh, That, you know, we we learn just only through five chapters that Abraham didn't do everything right. We see that, you know, he made mistakes because he was human just like all of us. However, as we go through this, let's learn from those mistakes. Right? Last week we talked about how we can hear from God. I I know we, we say this all the time and it sounds really simple, but we need to put it into practice, right? How? Spend time with God. And number two, read scriptures, get to know scriptures, love scripture. I actually um, was watching this video, and Vanessa came over. Have you guys seen those um, YouTube videos of... of um, uh, so I, I actually get a little bit emotional to think about it. So there's a video of these Chinese Christians getting to see the Bibles for the first time. You guys seen those videos? It's like, search, go search for it. It's incredible. It's like they just gather around these boxes. Suddenly they got like crazy because there were Bibles on the inside. And they were picking up those Bibles. They were smelling it because because they, cause it's like so good. And that's all they can say is like, we needed this. Like this. We needed this. So go search. It. And that's, that's what it is. Because if we can actually hear from God and get to know more of who He is, allow Him to speak to us, allow Him to guide us and lead us, we'll never have to worry even when things are difficult, even when things are tough, we know that God wants the best for us. So follow him, right? So last week we talked about how to hear from him, but this week we talked about let's actively seek him. Not just accidentally hear from him, but actively seeking him. In Genesis 12, we talked about Abraham actively, actively obeying God, right? When God said go, he went. So now, for us, let's actively seek him. Seek him all the time for all the decisions in our lives and the things that we are to do So if I if you can remember one thing that's a takeaway in this chapter is actively seek God Make godly decisions, Hear from him seek him and follow through Because it's, it is so much fun, right? And as we can see Abraham's life in this, is an adventure and that's why I love reading the Old Testament stories It's such an adventure, but we can live that too. We can live those adventures because um, anyway, um, I know we're running out of time, <laughs> and actually, I have no idea what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> so, but but if you can remember that as a <laughs> takeaway on this chapter, it, just remember there's consequences for major decisions that we make. Just remember that an informed decision may sound good, may sound educated, you know, may sound scientific, but it's not a godly decision. Comparing that to a godly decision, it's hands down is not as good. So keep that in mind, because those major decisions we make could impact generations. Mm -hmm. So let those generations be impacted by godly decision and not informed decision Mm -hmm. that we make. And let's transfer that to our jobs, to our lives, to our relationship, to how we parent, to how we meet people, Mm -hmm. uh, and and to our family members, and what have you. So, uh, so that's what I have for this morning. I just felt that's something, uh, a takeaway for, for, for us in Genesis 16. Again, I want to encourage all of you guys to read through that whole chapter because there are things, as I said, in that chapter that will jump out and speak to each and every one of us and give us more revelation of who God is. So allow us to experience more of who He is and understand why there's a group of people out there went crazy, as they were addicted on drug, when they see this like why it's because they have been seeking Seeking to know more of who God is and when they finally get the word That's all they could say is We needed this You guys should go search for that video because afterward it's completely science They just all said and they just opened up the Bible and they were just soaking it in and That is how we want to be as people We want to soak in everything that God has for us so that we can make godly decisions and impact people around us. Because we do not want to walk through life aimlessly. I don't. I know you guys don't. It doesn't matter who we impact. We just let's impact them. Well, it doesn't matter. It, it matters. We want to impact people in a positive way, not a negative way. And let God flow through us so we can be a positive impact into their lives. Amen.